Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The new Pitt basketball season is upon us. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the season preview episode of Hoops Unscripted right here on the Pitt Talk Network, a proud affiliate of the Fans First Sports Network. I am Corey Cohen with you for this Pitt basketball season and with me today for this season preview episode. He's done season preview episodes for football, basketball, many years running now. Jim Hammett from Panther Lair. Jim, thank you so much for uh, keeping this tradition going. Of course, Corey. Um, I think we have a pretty exciting basketball season to watch uh, upcoming here. So uh, it's kind of it's going to be exciting to follow and just kind of track this team all year. Absolutely. And we are recording this uh, shortly after Pitt's first game of the season against North Carolina A&T. The Panthers dominated in that game, put up 100 points compared to North Carolina A&T's 52. Uh, just an absolutely incredible performance with a, a lot of spectacular individual jobs. We're going to be breaking this team down by the players in the rotation. So through football, we sort of go position by position. With basketball, we're just going to go player by player. And we're going to start talking about the player who has returned from last year as the team leader, and that is Blake Henson. He explored his options for the NBA draft, decided to come back. He's returning as a senior. He is preseason All-ACC second team. What do you expect out of Blake Hinson after he decided to come back, a major contributor from last season? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Blake Henson can very well be one of the best players in the ACC this year. I mean, I think he got that recognition, but um, I mean, yeah, I think he could elevate himself to first team status. I mean, I, I think the big thing with Blake Henson is we know what he can do. Uh, we we know he is a very unique player in that he's a great three point shooter as kind of like a power forward. So he's he kind of can stretch the floor. Uh, I, I think the big thing this year and kind of one of the you know he did explore his options last year to maybe look at the NBA. And I think what they told him is uh, you need to get into better shape and you need to be able to score from all three levels. So I think that's something he really worked on. I think. Uh, just even seeing him in a few practices, uh, an exhibition in one game, I think it's noticeable his body is a little changed. Um, I think he's going to be able to do a little bit more scoring, maybe some more uh, playmaking. Uh, I, I think that's just all things they want to see from him. But I mean, I, I think we know um, what he can do. I mean, he's a great three-point shooter. He can stretch the floor. He made 93 pointers last season. I mean, there was times last year where he could carry the team. Uh, he scored 20 points in nine games last year, and Pitt was eight and one in those games. So he's kind of like, if he gets going and, he, and he's on a roll, Pitt's kind of hard to stop. And I, I still think that could be the case again this year. 
Yeah, it certainly seems like he's going to be the guy, as you said, like, so goes Blake Hinson, so goes the team. If if he has a big game, uh, then the team's going to win, and uh, he's certainly primed to do that. As you said, he's changed his body a, l- a little bit, and is he is, after experiencing that sort of one foot into the NBA draft and trying to gauge his value, I think that's actually really helpful so now he can see what it's going to take for him to be able to play at that next level. And, and hopefully for pit fans, he's able to, to get there. Another player I want to talk about because Blake Henson, a lot of people listening to this, they've seen him. They've seen a lot of him. There's a player who people hadn't seen until this season opener against North Carolina A&T. And that is Bub Carrington. His first name is Carlton, but he goes by Bub. He's a freshman from Baltimore. And what, and in just a truly sensational start from Bub Carrington. He had a triple double, 18 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists. It is the fifth triple double in Pitt basketball history, and the first time anyone's done it for Pitt since 1998. So we see this out of Bub Carrington. Obviously, this isn't going to be every game. Obviously, the competition is going to get tougher. But what should we expect to see out of this true freshman? as kind of a a combo guard, it seems. Yeah, I mean, I think Bub started getting some preseason love, uh, you know, kind of in September and October. He was mentioned as being one of the top freshmen in the ACC, and which was a little surprising because his ranking doesn't match that. I mean, I think he was the 90th ranked player by Rivals.com. He did not have a big offer sheet. I mean, when Pitt landed him, it was a good recruiting win, but it wasn't something where you thought, okay, this guy's going to come in and be really good. But I think as people saw the situation with this team, uh, they knew uh, there was guard minutes available. I mean, whenever you lose four guards that played a lot last year, there's going to be a spot for him. And then you have to remember the Dior Johnson situation. I think he was expected to play a lot of point guard this year too. So uh, I, I think, you know, there was always high expectations for him, but I think it just became more apparent in the preseason, like, okay, this guy's pretty good. And, you know, we saw a little bit of it in an open practice. Uh, we know he put up good numbers in the secret scrimmage against Georgetown. And, uh, of course, he came out uh, last night and was great. I mean, he he, he was sensational. It was the best debut ever by a Pitt player. I mean, he's the only Pitt player to ever record a triple-double in a debut. He's the fi- It's only the fifth time ever there's been a triple-double in Pitt basketball history. I mean, it, 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 he he kind of rewrote the the record books in his very first game so i mean i don't want to get ahead of myself i don't want to like put the you know the expectations too high for him but i think it was clear that that preseason hype really wasn't um smoke and mirrors i mean i think he is pretty good i think he's gonna have a really good season and i i think uh you know he's unique i mean i think he's uh not the type of guard Pitt normally has on their roster i mean he kind of looks like a guy you would see at kansas and kentucky i mean i think that's I think that's kind of what he is. I, I think it's going to be a pleasant surprise, you know, whenever the 90th ranked player can turn out to be one of the best freshmen in one of the best conferences. Yeah, absolutely huge for Pitt. As you said, having the the best debut ever for a Pitt basketball player and having just the fifth triple-double all-time in program history. And that's a program with a lot of candidates who you might have thought would have had a double do- a triple-double, but didn't. Guys like Lamar Patterson or Jamel Artis or Gary McGee or James Robinson. Like, there are a lot of talented players to come through this program and stat sheet stuffers, and only four others have ever done it. Just an incredible debut. And again, as you said, sort of, yes, it's a bit early, but you were talking about what kind of guard he is and how he's 
different from the typical pit guard that we've seen in previous years. How exactly do you mean? I, I just think uh, just like the the ability with his athleticism to run the offense because he, he doesn't look like a typical point guard. I mean, he's not built like a James Robinson or a Xavier Johnson. I mean, he he's a bigger guard. I mean, he's six five. I mean, when I watched him, and I don't know if it's a fair comparison yet, but he kind of reminded me of Kobe uh, Kobe White from North Carolina about four mm. or five years ago. I think he's in the NBA now. Uh, just just a guy that can get the ball and go and. I think he can create matchups because you can't really put a point guard on him, even though he's running the offense. So I, I think he's going to be able to create some big matchup nightmares just because he's so long. I mean, it's he, he rebounded so well. And I, th- I think the thing that struck me in the postgame and Jeff Capel said it, and it, it kind of resonated with me, it's it kind of looked effortless for him. It's not like you looked at halftime, you're like, oh, this, this guy's definitely getting a triple-double. It all came kind of within the context of the offense. I mean, obviously, the last five minutes he played, they were trying to get him the triple-double, and, that you know, of course. But for the most part, the game came to him, and it, it just looked really natural. And it, you don't really see that. Uh, I mean, it, it, to me, he looks like an NBA player. And, uh, you know, you don't say that. Even all the great pit teams, how many NBA players did they have? Right. So, I mean, he, he stood out right away. And, again, it's one game. Uh, we don't know if he's going to be able to sustain this, but I mean, he, he did look really, really good. Yeah. And you talk about former pit players, former pit grades. I mean, when's the last time that you saw a pit freshman and said, it looks like he's going to be going to the NBA. I mean, I don't know, Steven Adams, maybe even then that was more just size, not necessarily how he played in the one year pit, although he did improve as the season went on, but right out of the gate, I mean, Carrington just and it's cool because he caught the attention of the national media. And I think that's a cool moment for this pit team that has been underlooked for years now and in many cases, rightfully so. But I think it was a frustration last year where the team was playing really well and people weren't really talking about them. So to see in the very first game, Carrington have this performance and people really value it. I think is a big moment for this program and that, Hey, people are, are going to keep an eye on the pit Panthers this year. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, they were picked ninth in the preseason, but I, I mean, I think when you have a performance like that, it, it definitely catches everyone's attention. We saw, you know, the, the national media, John Rothstein and some of those guys started tweeting about him. So, I mean, he he's now on the radar. I mean, people know who he is and that it's, again, it, it's a weight of the world on him already because it's like, <laughs> when you start with the triple double and I mean, you could just see it on uh, Twitter and, you know, pit fans on the message boards and everything like that. I mean, everyone's excited. I mean, how could you not be? So, I mean, it, it, it's cool. It's it's It definitely raised the profile of the season already. Um, I mean, I think, you know, they have a couple more of these, you know, easy games before. Uh, I think they play Florida right before Thanksgiving. I mean, that's going to be a big game for them. I mean, people are going to want to see what he can do against a team like that. So, all of a sudden, I, I, I think, you know, People are going to start thinking about Pitt, and um, I, I think they're a little bit underrated, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree. I think this team is underrated, and when we get toward the end, we'll talk about our predictions, what we think is going to happen this year. Uh, another player coming back on this squad is the starting big, the starting center, Federico Federico. He had a double-double in the season opener with uh, 13 points, 10 rebounds. Obviously, size last year seemed to be a little bit thin, maybe a little bit of a weak spot. But then as the year went on and going into tournament play, 
it started to become a strength. Federico, the starting big, what do you think about what kind of steps he's going to be able to take from last year? We saw him get injured at the end of the season come tournament time going into this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I think everyone was surprised by Federico last year because, you know, everyone, it was supposed to be John Hubley's team. I mean, he was the big guy on that roster. He got hurt early, so they had to start Federico. And all of a sudden, they, there was just this team chemistry with him. He kind of fit in with those senior guards because they didn't really have to dump the ball into him in the post. I mean, he was just good at rim running, uh, offensive rebounding, bringing energy, kind of doing that kind of thing. So, I, I mean, I thought that's what he brought last year. And I think he could do a little bit more this year. I mean, I think you can count on him to score a little bit more. I mean, the, the big thing this team needs is better rebounding. And, I, I mean, I don't look at anyone on this team and I can say, yeah, they're going to get 10 rebounds a game. I mean, maybe, maybe that happens. Maybe they surprise me. But, I mean, I, I think for Pitt to be successful, yeah, they're going to need good minutes from Federico. But I, I think they could kind of – they don't lose much whenever they go to Guillermo Diaz, Guillermo, if, if anything at all, and even Jorge, too. I mean, I, I think they just have long bodies, and it, it helps on defense. I mean, I, I, I think those three combined for eight blocks last night. I mean, again, that's a, that's a small team, but uh, they're able to switch things, and it, it's unique because they're athletic and tall. So, you know, they can come out and hedge and still get back and still block the shot and still get the rebound. I mean, they, they have a lot of different – it's a unique skill set to have bigs that can kind of fly around on the perimeter and still get back. So, I mean, I think that's what Federico can do for them. And, I, I mean, I, I think he kind of just fits, uh, you know, with this team. Yeah, it certainly seems to be a big help having him there. And then sort of combining that, and we'll move on to the – uh, the Diaz Graham twins, because as you were mentioning them, it is kind of a uh, they are essentially tied together as the bigs of this squad. And so for the Diaz Graham twins, again, returning from last year, Guillermo Diaz Graham and Jorge Diaz Graham twins from the Canary Islands uh, in Spain. So it seems certainly like they put on some muscle. Uh, I think it was in the spring right after uh, the launch of Pit Talk Network, you and I were talking about this team and saying, yeah, they're going to have to just stack on like PB and J's, you know, get some, some more weight to them. And it certainly seems like they have, it seems like they're bigger. They've got some size. They've put on some muscle. And in that first game, we saw very good performance from both. I think even a little bit surprising was Jorge Diaz Graham, who had 14 points. Nine of those 14 came from long range. He went three for three from three-point range, what do you think we should be able to expect from them, at least offensively? Because that seemed like a little bit of a surprise, especially from outside. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they can provide good minutes for this team. I think they're both going to play a lot. And, I, you know, with Jorge, it's yeah, he's probably a power forward. But, I mean, there's going to be situations where you could play him alongside Blake Henson. And, you know, they're one of them's technically the three and that, that just creates such a bigger lineup. But I mean, you know, Guillermo's going to have a little more of a post game, but he can obviously step out and make shots. And I think Jorge is, I, I think what he did last night, I mean, I don't know if he's going to have 14 every game, but I think he could come in and be a spark hit that hit a three, uh, you know, finish a dunk. And, you know, what they both do so well is bring energy to this team. And, you know, you kind of hear things like that and it's hard to quantify. You don't really know what it means, but they they do something to this team and I, I you know whenever they come in and get a big block or a dunk it, it kind of gets everyone else going and I, I really think 
uh, it, it sparked them last year and it's going to help them again this year. And I think even more so this year because they're going to be better players. Uh, you know, they, they, you know, it was one game, but they weren't on the ground every other play. And that was like, anytime one of them caught on the floor last year, it's like, okay, they're, you know, he got knocked over. That didn't happen last night. So I, I do think they're bigger. I think they're more equipped to, you know, handle a full 30 game college season. And I, I mean, I still think that the sky is the limit for both of them. I, I really have high hopes for Guillermo and what he could become by the time he's a senior. And I think Jorge is going to show a lot too. So I, I think this is a really talented group, uh, you know, inside and, you know, they're, they're the twins, but it, it's funny because they're really good friends with Federico. So they, they call themselves the triplets. <laughs> so, you, you, you know, sometimes you might be out in Pittsburgh and you see, the, you know, three, six, 11 guys walking around, but they're really good friends. So I think that kind of helps. I mean, I, I think, you know, Guillermo and Federico could be challenging each other for minutes, but I, I think they're okay complimenting each other too. Yeah, it certainly seems like that relationship is there. And again, all three of them being tied together and they recognize that and they're friends and they realize that ultimately it's going to take all three of them. And as you said, especially more like between the two of Federico and Guillermo of being able to to handle those minutes at the five and as you said putting on the muscle putting on the size and making it so that they're not just knocked over every single play but they're there and they're forceful one thing about size and this is the case for all of them because they're lanky guys is defense and being able to stand there in the low post and if you're going up against some bigger opponents be able to stop them. Now we didn't see too much of that against North Carolina A&T in the opener because they're a smaller team. And so we're in that game. We saw more of like block shots and that's to be expected, but when they're playing bigger bodies and they're going to be forced to defend in the low post and some, or someone's driving, you know, a, a big wing from an ACC school. How do you think this front court Federico Diaz, how do you think they're going to handle on the defensive end, having to stop some big dudes that they're going to be going against. I mean, I think they could kind of draw on what they did from last year. I mean, uh, North Carolina was not a great team last year, but Armando Baycott's one of the top four or five big guys in the country. And I mean, they were able to contain them. They won both meetings with them and Federico kind of stood up to them. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, they, they can hit, you know, hold their own even last year in March. I mean, Guillermo was dealt a pretty tough hand because Federico was hurt and, you know, he played three NCAA tournament games and he got pushed around a little bit, but he still, you know, battled back. I think against Xavier, he had 11 points, eight rebounds and Nanji was really good for Xavier. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was kind of a good battle for him. So, I mean, I, I think just having that experience last year to bring into this year, I mean, I think it's only going to help them. Then, you know, then you couple that with a good off season. I think Federico was with the, the Finland national team throughout the summer and the twin state in Pittsburgh, because they wanted to get bigger and they wanted to be with the strength and conditioning coach. So I mean, I, I think just those steps from last year to this year should, should really be a benefit for all three of them. Yeah. That training that Federico had with the Finland national team certainly seems to have helped him. And then, as you said, the twins staying in Pittsburgh and, you know, tacking on the permanti sandwiches, adding some weight uh, cannot hurt. Cannot hurt at all. Uh, so I want to talk about the other guard in the starting lineup, uh, or point guard, I should say. That's Ishmael Leggett. He's a transfer from Rhode Island. He averaged over 16 points per game last year. In the season opener, he had 11 points, five rebounds, two assists. What do you think we should be able to expect from Ishmael Leggett, and what kind of guard is he, especially as compared to 
Carrington. Yeah, I mean, I, I think whatever some of these transfers, you know, Pitt has plucked guys from mid-major programs. When you look at a guy like Leggett, he's coming from Rhode Island. The You know, the a is a pretty good league, so I, I don't think this is a huge jump for him to come play in the ACC. I, I, I think there are some concerns with him because, yeah, he scored a lot of points, but he played on a bad team, and he was the only one really shooting the ball. So, I mean, his efficiency numbers weren't great, but I, I think – He's going to be – I think there's a good chance he's their second-leading scorer after Blake Hinson. I mean, I, I really do believe that. I think even we saw a little bit of last night in the first game. I mean, he can get where he wants to go. I mean, he's he's a lot quicker than Jamarius Burton, but he kind of has that same game where he's going to kind of dictate how he wants to, you know, get to the basket. So I think that's that's going to be a good asset. And, you know, with the – you know, with Carrington, and we, you know, we haven't really mentioned the other freshman point guard, Jalen Lowe, but – they kind of need, they're going to need him. I mean, they're going to need a steadying force. There's going to be a tough game where, you know, maybe Carrington gets in foul trouble and they're going to count on uh, Leggett a lot more. So, I, I mean, I think he's going to be able to provide a scoring punch. I mean, I think he can kind of get to that 12, 13 points a game and kind of just be that reliable option. Maybe, you know, somewhere between a Nelly Cummings and a Burton because he's not quite as small as Nelly. He's not quite as big as Burton, but he can kind of do both. And I think he can facilitate. And I, I think, that, that's what made Pitt so good last year is that Nellie Cummings could run the offense and so could Burton. And I think if they can have Carrington do that and also like it, I think they can kind of replicate, you know, some of the things they were able to do so well uh, a season ago. Yeah, I think it, it can be a misconception with basketball about ball dominant guards. And if if you, you can only have one, it's like the thing with football. If you've got two quarterbacks, you've got no quarterbacks. That's not necessarily the case with basketball. Now it can be if their only purpose is on ball. So when you've got something like uh, the, like the Brooklyn Nets, when they had like Kyrie and hard it, like th there are certain situations where a player's only real value is on ball. And in those situations, yeah, this can be complicated, but from what it sounds like with Carrington and Leggett, and we'll talk about low in a second, but with the starters with Carrington and Leggett, it sounds like, both should be able to be ball dominant. Both should be able to handle the ball and run the floor, but they don't necessarily have to, to be effective. They can both be on the floor at the same time and still complement each other and, and provide value. Yeah. I, I think, cause even whenever Pitt landed Carrington, he was kind of more deemed as a, a combo guard or shooting guard. I mean, that, that one of his strengths was being an outside shooter. So I think it was kind of a little bit of a surprise that he, he looks so comfortable running the point. And I think Leggett can kind of do the same thing. So I think they can coexist because both of them can initiate offense, but both of them should be comfortable enough to not have the ball in their hands. So I, I think that's that, you know, we saw that with Cummings and Burton last year, like either one or the other, but you know, the other one could still step up and make a shot or drive to the lane. So I think that's what, that, that's going to be a good way to complement each other because really Lowe is the, the true point guard on the, the team it's just you know he's not the one in the starting lineup at the moment so let's talk about him Jalen Lowe a freshman he is a point guard but as you said he's going to be starting from the bench because Carrington and Leggett are the two guards in the uh in the starting lineup what do you how much do you think Jalen Lowe will contribute we saw him get 20 minutes in his first game four points three assists more of a, as you said, sort of more of a traditional point guard, but what do you expect his role to be in terms of, as you said, like kind of being the starting point guard, but not starting, still getting significant minutes? How much do you think he's going to 
play a part on this squad, even though he's starting from the bench? Yeah, I mean, I, I really do think he's going to play a big role. I mean, I think he's going to be in that 20 minutes a game. I mean, sometimes he'll be playing with Carrington. Sometimes he'll be playing with Leggett. But, I mean, I, I think the thing you have to look back at the last year is that they played four guards. I mean, they, they had Burton and Cummings and Elliott and Sabandi. And this year, they really only have three. I mean, they, they have Michael Hewitt, like kind of like a deep depth option. But for the most part, the you know, the point guard, the shooting guard spot, the, the, those two guard spots, it's really going to be manned by three guys. So they're – there's going to be games where low plays a lot. I mean, if, if you know, if Carrington or Leggett's in foul trouble, like he's the guy, I mean, he's going to be out there. So I, I, I think, I think what they'll miss from last year to this year is that instant offense that Nike Sabandi had as that, that first guard off the bench. I don't think Leggett's or um, low rather is going to be able to bring that, but I, I think he's going to be able to handle the ball, you know, knock down some shots, run the offense, but um I, I mean, when he's on the floor, I mean, I, I think he's going to be the one with the ball in his hands more often than not. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's good. I think his upside's really good. He was a four-star recruit himself. I just don't know he's going to be that instant offense they had last year with Sabandi. Yeah, it sounds like, as you said, being more of a traditional point guard, he's going to be someone who you give it to him and he facilitates and he runs the offense and he's competent, but not necessarily the kind of performance that we saw from Carrington, just a different style of play uh, that, that we can expect coming off the bench. But it is interesting that for those two spots, there really are only three guys. And so even if there's no foul trouble, Lowe is going to be getting significant minutes because though the other two are going to have to rest. Carrington and Leggett are going to need some time on the bench, obviously. And so they can stagger that with Lowe. And then certainly if they if someone does get into foul trouble or even somehow too, now you're talking about maybe some trouble where Lowe can't even really get off the floor. Do you think it's a concern at all that it is just three players for those two spots? I know you mentioned Michael Hewitt Jr. is sort of like an emergency guy and he played uh, eight minutes in the opener. But for the most part, there'll be three guards in the rotation. Is that at all a concern to you? Because we've seen with this recruiting, Jeff Capel's landing a lot of bigs, not a ton of guards. And of course, he lost a bunch from last year. Do you think that could be a problem at points this season or down the stretch? I mean, it definitely could be. I mean, you always wonder about depth. I mean, I, I think, you know, last year towards the end of the season, they could really only get to about six, seven, like in those tournament games when Fetty was hurt. I mean, they were they were pretty limited. So I think right now they, they can play nine comfortably. Uh, 10 if they have to. So, I mean, uh, th there might be some creative lineup situations to, you know, offset only having three guards. I mean, maybe you go big. Maybe we talk about that, you know, both twins and Henson on the floor together, and maybe you slide Zach Austin up to shooting guard. I mean, maybe that's something you can do to counter it. So, I mean, I think these early season games are chances to see what you could do lineup wise. I, I, I think they, they, they are at the point where they should be good enough to just walk on the floor and, you know, beat a team like they play Binghamton on Friday night. I mean, that they, they you know, they, they've struggled in the past. They lost to St. Francis. They lost to the Citadel. I don't think that's going to happen this year. So, I mean, I think these games should give them the chance to at least be creative with their lineups and, uh, you know, try different things. I mean, you know, they can kind of simulate. It's like, okay, let's just pretend like it's in foul trouble. What do we do? How do we distribute this? So, I mean, I think that's something they can do. And, I, I think they have the option to go big this year. I mean, it might not be ideal for long stretches, but I, I, I think they're capable of trying it. And because I think I'm in agreement because the bigs that they have, as we talked about, are pretty 
mobile and they're not, you know, th this isn't like Matumbo down there. These guys aren't just big, slow dudes. Like they can get around and they can shoot from the outside. I mean, the, this, even though this could be a big lineup, if one of the guards gets injured or, or in foul trouble or something like that, it's not necessarily a situation where you've got like three prototypical centers out there. Yes, they have size, but they can still move around and they can still shoot. Another player that we haven't talked about yet, he's actually in the starting lineup. You mentioned it briefly. That's Zach Austin, transfer from High Point. He had a solid opener for the Panthers, but of the starters, probably the quietest. Eight points, four rebounds, two assists in his pit opener. What do you think his role is going to be playing on that wing and in the starting lineup? Yeah, I, I kind of go back and forth with him because I, I wonder how much scoring they need from him or they're even going to really want from him. I, I think kind of his role is I think he's going to be one of their top on ball defenders. I mean, I think he could guard, you know, guys on the perimeter. I think he could guard wings. And I think that's, you know, he's going to be asked to do that a lot. And they're going to ask him to be a pretty good rebounder for his size at six five because they don't they don't really have a traditional power forward. I mean, it's Blake Henson's kind of on the perimeter a lot and, you know, Zach Austin's six, five. So they kind of have that like two wing look. Um, so, I mean, I think they're just going to need him to kind of be a chameleon and kind of do everything. And, you know, some games he might score 15 points, some games he might score five, but I mean, I think defense and, you know, you know, looking at North Carolina last year, like a, a leaky black, like a, a guy that's mm -hmm. just a good athlete. You put him on defense and, you know, you might not always expect great offense from him, but I mean, I, the thing with Austin's game, the most exciting thing about Austin's game is he's a great leaper. He can dunk. I mean, he can really throw down. We saw the videos from when the team went to Spain. I mean, he had a couple poster dunks. I mean, I think he's he's going to be a kind of guy that can get the crowd going. I, I can yeah. picture a few times at the Pete this year, if he's on a breakaway and lets one loose, I mean, that building's going to get go nuts so I mean I, I think he has that kind of ability so I and he's you know he's a two-year guy I mean you know they brought him in for this year but they have him for next year and he was one of the first uh, I think he was the actual first transfer they targeted after the season so I think they're really high on him I, I think he can bring a lot of energy I don't know if he's going to be one of their top three or four leading scorers but I don't know if he has to be either right be, I think because of the amount of scoring that they have on this team and how many guys can score, that doesn't necessarily seem to be a huge issue. A lot of it does seem to come down to the ability to play defense. And for these other teams, who's going to guard their best player? And there are going to be a lot of talented opponents that they face this year. They have a really good player. And if you're a Pitt fan, you hope that Zach Austin can shut that guy down or at the very least limit him to a quieter game. And then, as you said, you see what his offense can do. He can slash to the rim, breakaways, things like that, and he can dunk it. And then you'll see if they can progress as a shooter. In terms of just pure shooting, who do you think from this team is going to be someone that is maybe the best shooter or the one or two guys who are the most reliable like outside shooters for this team? If this team is going to need a three late in the game or whatever, who do you think one, maybe two players that they're really going to look to for that? Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't think it's disguising it too much. I mean, I, Blake Henson's going to be the guy taking shots late in the game. I mean, I, he did last year even. I mean, he was their leading scorer a year ago. So, I mean, I think they're still going to count on him to make a lot of threes. I mean, everyone they play, everyone's radar is going to be up about him. I mean, everyone, he kind of snuck up on 
people last year. It's not going to happen this year. Everyone knows who Blake mm-hmm. Hinson is. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, then at that point, like I said earlier, I mean, I think Leggett's going to be a double-digit score. I think Carrington's probably going to be a double-digit score. I think they can all make threes. I don't know if they have, like, a, a straight sniper like they did with Greg Elliott last year, whose only role really was just to make threes. I don't know right. if they have anyone just like that. I mean, I think they have a lot of guys that can shoot threes and make threes. But I don't know if, you know, aside from Blake Hinson, if they just have a guy, like, that's his role. Yeah, it certainly seems like they're missing that, but that's not necessarily going to be a problem if the guards, like you mentioned, you know, the people outside of Blake Hinson are able to hit their threes if they're open. You don't necessarily need to have a guy who just does that. And then if you can get, you know, one here or there from Leggett, from Lowe, from Carrington, from Austin even, you that can certainly add up and help. One more player I want to talk about in this rotation, that is Will Jeffress. He was injured for last season. He played in the opener, seven points, four rebounds. What do you expect his role to be in that front court behind Federico and the Twins? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's going to get minutes. I, I think he's going to have a role on this team. And, you know, we, we saw him play his first two years, and I think everyone knows his story. I mean, he was a top 100 recruit from Erie. Uh, everyone knew who he was in high school, but he left high school early. So he came to Pitt when he was 17. So he really should have been a senior in high school when he was a freshman at Pitt. And he looked like he was behind. He looked like he was, you know, the game was a little too fast for him, and he would rush things and turn the ball over. Shot didn't look so good. So, you know, last year, you know, he talked about it. Jeff Capel talked about it, you know, in October we, during a couple of press conferences, the game just needs to slow down for him. I, I, I think, you know, they just need him to be more assertive when he takes the shot, he needs to step into it and shoot it. Like he's going to make it. I mean, last year or two years ago, rather, I mean, we got the ball. You didn't really know what was going to happen with Will Drifters. And that was kind of, it was almost a liability at times. So I think he's going to be able to provide rebounding, good defense, and when the ball gets thrown his way, he just needs to be able to, you know, make a shot. So, it, like a stat line last night, would you say seven points, four rebounds? I mean, yep. that's that's kind of what you're looking for out of him. And I, I think there's value in that. I mean, I think, you know, he he can he might be subbing in for Zach Austin at times. So, I mean, I, I think that's kind of where he's going to have to be. Yeah, because as we were talking about last year down the stretch, the depth chart did get pretty thin, and so just having a ninth player out there who you can trust who it's not just, Oh, he's at the very end of the bench and we don't really want to play him unless we absolutely need to, but no, we can comfortably give him minutes. I think in the, uh, in the opener, Jeffress had 17 minutes. So like he's comfortably in the rotation and you can play him significant minutes and yeah, he's not going to light up the stat sheet. He's not going to necessarily be a game changer, but he should be able to, just be a solid role player for this team. And and having that depth, I think is certainly going to be helpful, especially with this long season. So we've come to the point now, Jim, where we want to talk predictions. We've done this in the past. Some have been better than others. Uh, you in the past have predicted I, that was for football, every single game correctly. Also this past season for football, you and I were both very off. So take our, our guesses with a grain of salt, but what is your prediction for how this season goes in terms of overall record, ACC record, maybe where they finish in the ACC, if they make a turn the tournament, and if so, what seed they would be, when they might be bounced, and uh, you know any other uh, out of the box prediction that you might have? 
So my, my prediction hasn't changed much after one game. I, you know, on PantherLayer.com, we kind of made a season preview right before the first game. And I think I had them at about 21 and 10 in the, in the 31 game regular season. Um, I think that would put them a little bit higher than their projected ninth finish in the ACC. So I think they'll be a top half ACC team. I think they'll win 20 games. I think they'll make the tournament. I mean, I, I don't know if they'll be seeded very highly. I mean, they, they might be similar to this year, like a, you know, 9, 10, 11 seed. I mean, I, that, that's probably where they are. But, I mean, they can outplay that ranking. I I, I don't know. I still want to see more. But, I, I, I mean, I, I think this team can go about 21 and 10 and, you know, be in a good position when the ACC tournament starts in March. I'm going to be even a little bit more optimistic. So, the last time when we did a preview was for this past football season. I was slightly more pessimistic than you. I'm going to be a little bit more optimistic on this one. I think overall they finished 23 and eight. So I've got them two games ahead of where you have them. I think only two of those losses come in the non-conference. So my guess is for the ACC, I think they go 14 and six in the 20 game ACC uh, schedule. I think they finish uh, fifth, maybe sixth in the conference. Uh, I think they were picked in the preseason to finish ninth. I think a little bit higher than that. I would say probably fifth or sixth. I could see them as like a seven or eight seed in the tournament. I think this is a team that maybe wins the first game and then plays hard in the second game and they play close, but they just can't beat a one or a two seed that they're playing. That's my prediction is kind of similar to what you were saying. But I think a, just a little bit higher, and granted, I did kind of adjust that from after the first game. I know I shouldn't be getting ahead of my skis, but just the style of basketball in which this team seemed to be playing, I think is going to be really fortunate for them down the stretch. I think that's going to produce a, a, a successful style of basketball that can fit them against a lot of different kinds of opponents. Yeah, I mean, I, the thing with me that I'm kind of looking for is I think they can get off to a pretty good start here. I mean, I think they should start 4-0 before those that trip to New York. And I think they played Missouri and West Virginia. So they have some tough early season games. But, I mean, I, I, I think they can get off to a pretty good start. And I, I think that could really create a lot of buzz for this team. So I, I think that's kind of what this program needs. I mean, last year... It took a, it took everyone a little bit of a while to kind of get on board. I mean, when yep. the, the Pete didn't really start rocking until you know, like late January, early February. I mean, I, I think everyone was excited, but everyone was kind of waiting for that other, you know, other shoe to drop. I mean, that, yep. that's what happened the, the prior couple seasons. They got off to a hot start, then they would just lose like eight in a row or something like that, and that that never happened last year. So, I, I mean, I think this year. Uh, from what it sounds like, the, I wasn't at the game. Uh, the Oakland Zoo was very good for an early season game. I, I mean, I, I think uh, just excitement overall. I mean, you could tell on Twitter and, you know, the Panther Layer message boards, more people were on board with this team. I don't know if it's because football was so bad and everyone's looking for something else. But I, I think there is genuine excitement for this team. So, I mean, if they can get off to this hot start and, you know, Carrington kind of lives up to this hype for, you know, more than just one game, then, yeah, I mean, they, they could definitely win more than 21 games. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I'm in agreement with how last season was perceived. Even just speaking for myself, I didn't really start getting on board with this team until like mid to late January because the non-conference wasn't great last year. And then it just took a little bit to get going. But eventually you look at it and you go, wow, this team can actually make a run. And part of that also was that for years, 
the basketball team had become almost irrelevant because of how it just cratered under Kevin Stallings and then they weren't able to rebound for a while. And so it was kind of like, I'll believe it when I see it. But that happened last year. And I think that's going to be helpful this year in that it's not going to take a while for people to get on board. In the North Carolina A&T game, people were going nuts and jumping up and down, and the zoo was packed, and the Pete seemed to have a great atmosphere. It seems like the expectations are at least where they should be this year. Like People are expecting this to be a tournament team, and that certainly seems fair, and the vibes seem good. Like People, this isn't we don't expect anything from this team. So it's fun if they succeed, but it's also not, we expect a ton from this team and we're going to be let down. I think everyone sort of seems to be in the sweet spot of, we expect this to be like a fun, pretty good year and kind of similar to last year. But I think going in with that expectation, people are excited and the, the vibes certainly seem to be there. Yeah. It's, it's hard to say not to be. And I, I mean, I think that, you know, every team kind of takes on the identity of some of the players and last year's team, they were just kind of calm and cool. Like nothing really phased them. They, they would get in these tight games and like, they wouldn't blink. I think Jeff Capel said that, that almost after every game and every press conference, they don't blink, you know, when something comes at them, it's like, all right, Burton just comes down and makes a tough shot. And that's just how it is. So I think this year's team's going to be fun because those guys are gone and you're going to take all the personality of Blake Henson and everyone knows he's a big personality. I mean, he's, he's going to be a different leader, but this team's going to be loud and fun and they're going to make a lot of plays and they're, you know, whenever one of them makes a dunk, like the bench is going to be going nuts. I mean, I think they really genuinely root for each other. So I think in turn, it's going to be easier for fans to kind of connect with them because I think they have a lot of personality. I I, I really do. And it's, yep. it's kind of hard to build that in college sports anymore because of the transfer yeah. portal guys leave. So you kind of just like you build a team each season and you kind of just enjoy the ride. But I think there is some continuity here. I think people know what to expect. So I, I, I do think it's, you know, nobody's expecting them to go to the final four, but I think everyone's past the point. It's like, okay, we're, we're not going to be fooled by this. Like they are actually kind of good. Like they're going to win some games. So I think going into the season with that mindset and it's going to be more fun, you know, whenever North Carolina and Duke come to town, it's, they're going to be big games. And it, yep. it, you know, it took a while for big games to develop last year. Yeah. The, as I said, the expectations certainly seem to be there in so when those big games happen, people, even if they're not necessarily expecting Pitt to beat Duke, for instance, they're expecting it to be a game and to be a great atmosphere and all that. So really fun scene, uh, really fun team, it seems, for this season uh, to follow and to root for if you're a Pitt fan. Uh, Jim Hammett, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Please tell the listeners where they can find you, follow you, read all your stuff. Yeah, as always, uh, panther-layer.com, uh, uh, pittsburgh.rivals.com, the most comprehensive sports of uh, pit sports news on the internet. And, of course, I'm at Twitter, at Jim Hammett, with two M's and two T's. Great. And uh, so you can find all that on Panther Layer. Uh, we will be here talking pit basketball throughout the season right here on Hoops Unscripted. Of course, we still have other shows on the Pit Talk Network. We've got... 
football unscripted still the last few weeks of that team and then continuing with all the offseason news. We'll have that there. We've got Olympic Gold and Blue. We've got Panthers Pathway. We've got a bunch of stuff happening here at the Pit Talk Network. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the Pit Talk Network. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Pit Talk Network, and you can find me at Corey E. Cohen, C-O-R-E-Y-E-C-O-H-E-N. Again, Jim Hammett from Panther Lair. Thank you so much for joining me for this one. Uh, we will be back with new episodes right here on the Pit Talk Network, so please follow and subscribe. And until next time, thank you so much for listening. Keep it tuned to the Pit Talk Network, part of the Fans First Sports Network.